0: Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, Come and See the Greater Things of God. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
1: Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and laid down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you again, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning this house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am, Eli said. What is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Our second reading
2: today comes from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me now philip was from bethsaida the city of andrew and peter philip found nathaniel and said to him we have found him about whom moses in the law and also the prophets wrote jesus son of joseph from nazareth nathaniel said to him can anything good come out of nazareth philip said to him come and see when jesus saw nathaniel coming toward him he said of him here is truly an israelite in whom there is no deceit nathaniel asked him where did you get to know me jesus answered i saw you under the fig tree before philip called you nathaniel replied rabbi you are the son of god you are the king of israel jesus answered do you believe because i told you that i saw you under the fig tree you'll see greater things than these and he said to him very truly i tell you you will see heaven opened and the angels of god ascending and descending upon the son of man this is the word of the lord let us pray god we give you thanks for your word and for the way it instructs us new every time we enter it. We pray that in this time where we worship and pray and sing and hear your word proclaimed, we pray that our eyes would be clear and see what you would have us see, and that our ears would be open and willing to receive what you would have us hear, and that our lives would be as willing as Samuel and the disciples to be who you want us to be, and to receive the transformation that you have in store for us. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So it's my understanding that in Major League Baseball, that the players have these walk-up songs or their hype songs and What they do is when the game is getting right, when it's their turn to walk up to the batter's box, the song plays over the loudspeakers and it's supposed to energize the player and get the crowd engaged. And so recently some friends and I, we were talking about maybe we should have clergy walk-up songs in the winter months. (laughs) Now I'm not sure what mine would be, but on most days it's probably John Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. Um, But today I think it needs to be Looks like we made it. We've made it. We've made it through the transition from the retirement of Pastor Gable to the arrival this week of our new interim senior pastor. And it feels good. And this also feels like the right time for me to take a moment to express my deep gratitude to all of you For allowing me to serve in this temporary lead role during this season at TAB. Thank you. Thank you for the prayers. For the notes of encouragement. The patience. The trust. And the grace. The grace that you offered me. Because we knew I was not going to fill John's shoes. But with your help. I believe I have learned how to stand more confidently in my own. This has been truly, I think, the most demanding thing I've ever undertaken in ministry. But it has also been the biggest growth opportunity as well. And I know, as you just saw today, some balls have dropped along the way. And so I apologize for missing your emails, and for the delay, the days-long delay in returning your phone calls, and for the cutting it to the wire that I know caused stress for my colleagues and Sharon Marshall. All I can say is that every morning, my prayer was, God, I know I'm gonna drop some balls, help them land gently so they don't shatter amazingly I don't think many did in fact most dropped balls never even hit the ground and that's because of all of you the tab family the staff the committees the leadership you rushed in and you caught them before they hit the ground and some folks even came in and took the balls out of my hands to help reduce the juggling. I don't even want to begin to try to list the names because there were so many folks I know I would miss someone. But I hope you know, each and every one of you, how much I appreciate you because I don't have the really good words to tell you. So folks, we did make it. We made it to this Sunday, but not because of anything I did in this filling in role. We made it because of what we did together, but more so we made it because of what God did through all of us together. We made it because we were and are and continue to be the church together. So we worshiped and we prayed, and we communed. We even figured out how to do communion through scaffolding. The ministry continued, the meetings continued, the weddings continued, and sadly, so did the funerals. The candles and the poinsettias went up for Advent and they came down after Christmas. Leaders were elected, budgets were discerned, events were held, people were cared for. And we prayerfully called an interim to help lead us just as we discern God's will for Tab's future. We have been church together, and we will continue to be church together through every transition, every uncertainty, every change every milestone, as long as we keep Christ at our center and we remain committed to joining him in his mission of transforming the world through God's love. That this is what it means to be the body of Christ. It is the purpose for which we exist. Let me say that again. The one who came to transform the way the world understood and related to God and to each other has called, equipped, and entrusted us, the church, to become a holy manifestation of that transformation in this world. In other words, the church has this awesome privilege and responsibility to demonstrate the unconditional, merciful, gracious love of God revealed in Christ Jesus to each other and to a world that so desperately, albeit sometimes unbeknownst, needs it. For in doing so, the kingdom surely comes on earth as it is in heaven. We, we are transforming the world for and with Christ. Now you want to talk about big shoes and daunting tasks. Not to mention... After nearly 2,000 years of waiting, transformation doesn't seem plausible anytime soon. The world is still so very broken. So much injustice and evil. So much hatred and ego. So much division and corrupted power. It makes one wonder, how can the church even begin to make an impact? Particularly when all trends indicate a decline in our number and our presence and our influence. How do Christians conduct this massive mission Christ has given us? Well, you know what they say about how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. At a time. <laughs> yes, my, my answer was, why would you eat an elephant? But, friends, we the church, we transform the world one authentic relationship at a time one come and see relationship like the one between philip and nathaniel and samuel and eli a naturally multiplying your ministry type relationship which philip actually learned from jesus It can't be surmised from the passage that I read today but just prior to um, just prior to finding Philip Jesus had met one of John the Baptist's disciples Andrew and he personally invited Andrew to come and see where he Jesus was staying and then Andrew he went and found his brother Simon and personally invited him and the same thing happened philip and nathaniel jesus found philip and invited him to follow and philip found nathaniel and personally invited him so this holy and i do believe it's holy come and see approach to relationships is rooted in personal interaction so it's not just asking someone to come to your church or a church function although there's certainly nothing wrong with that and feel free to do it but this is about getting to know each other in an authentic meaningful way so that together we can comfortably come and see God's love at work in us in you in others and in the world and they are authentic enough that there's a that there's a level of trust that makes people want to say yes to the invitation so how do we develop come and see relationships in our lives how do we find the confidence to enter them and the trust to sustain them Well, for starters, the opportunity for relationships is all around us. Where there are people, there is potential. Not to mention, experts completely agree that loneliness is at an all-time high in the world and that social isolation drastically impacts people's physical and mental health and here's the thing about loneliness it crosses all social categories it knows no boundaries but it increases the risk of death in those particularly, in particularly high-risk categories. It increased the risk of death among low-income adults. It increases the risk of death among young adults and elderly and people with chronic diseases and disabilities, with immigrants, And individuals who identify as LGBTQ community. The harsh, sad truth is that people are literally dying to have genuine common C type relationships in their lives. The other truth is that authentic relationships are hard work and a dying art because it takes time and it takes energy and intentionality to develop relationships, particularly diverse ones that force us to go outside of our circle of comfort. It also draws upon the same scarce resources from which our busy lives already make great demands. But at the end of the day, folks, all relationships are a matter of the choices we make and which relationships we decide to nurture. Because deep in our spirit, in every human spirit, is a desire to be seen and heard and known by God, And by others and perhaps we want to be seen and known and heard by others because it's almost always in others that we first truly see God so yes there's an innate pull in humanity that draws us toward other humans And sometimes while people are very different from us in many ways, we we long for folks who share our same woes and blessings, our same concerns and fears, our same joys and hopes, we want to find and be found by people who will make space for our questions and who are willing to come alongside us in our spiritual walk rather than trying to steer our course for us. We want the freedom to come and see for ourselves rather than be told this is what you're supposed to do, see and believe. We also want to know that our life story matters. And so that's why telling our stories is such an important part of come and see relationships. Because you know, the best possible way to create curiosity about what God's love can actually do in the world is to candidly share what God's love is actually doing in your life. And here's the great thing about our stories, our own stories. They are our stories. They don't have to be profound, and they don't have to match someone else's, nor do you need to be a resident theologian or a biblical scholar in order to share what God is doing in your life. You do, however, need to be willing Willing to speak openly and honestly. Admitting that sometimes our stories include difficult parts and challenging questions. Including some that we don't even have the answer to. But it's also okay to be in the uncertainty because it's our story. I mean, Philip Did not have a full picture of who Jesus was. He'd heard about him. But just sharing his story about Jesus. What he understood about Jesus was enough to get Nathaniel to come and see. That's a solid relationship. A solid relationship. And I cannot stress this enough. There are countless people who want to hear real stories about a real God making a real difference. And the question is whether those of us who have those real stories are willing to share them. Because you know what? I think we would be surprised to discover who might come and see when we do. Now, let me say this about common C relationships. Common see is never a debate. Common C is the most important aspect of sharing our stories and about what God is doing in our lives. But it's also the thing I think we most often mess up. You see, we're eager to tell of our own stories, of our encounters with God's love, but we often become too invested in having other people claim it as their story, too. Our intent shifts from just introducing people to Christ to trying to argue them into following Him. Rather than Telling our experience and inviting others to have theirs, we become defenders of our story and the convincers of our truth. And this inability to have genuine dialogue has contributed to those downward trends and difficulties that the church faces. Folks are tired of confrontation and debate when they have asked questions or challenged norms or expressed doubts. So what happens is people just go silent in the pew. Just go along. But I believe far more have left the pews altogether. They've given up on the institutional church as a place where they can be brave to ask, be honest, and share their story. But it doesn't have to be this way. I mean, look at what happens when Nathaniel pushes back on Philip's news. Philip says, we found the one. And Nathaniel says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, as a sidebar, I think a lot of people hear this as sarcasm on Nathaniel's part, but I don't think it was, personally. I mean, if you know anything about Nazareth, it's literally just a wide spot in the road with less than 400 people. Not to mention, all the prophecy that these folks would have heard said the Messiah was coming from Bethlehem. So Nathanael's question feels like an honest and appropriate question. Whatever Nathanael meant by his remark, Philip did not get offended. He did not get defensive. He did not start arguing the Bible. He invited Nathanael to come and see for himself. Jesus didn't get upset either. In fact, Jesus acknowledges Nathanael's integrity and reputation for telling the truth. Imagine that. Consider how different the world might be. How the beloved community would grow if rather than arguing with people about Jesus, we instead followed his example. And starting with affirming the good in others. Because there's good in everyone. Imagine unboxing God's love from our preconceived notions and instead opening ourselves to encounter it in truly unexpected ways. Like a baby in a manger or a Messiah from Nazareth. Or what if we just simply and humbly followed Philip's example? Invite folks to encounter Christ for themselves, trusting that God will take care of the rest. Trusting that God will do the work. Tell our stories, come and see, and trust God. I mean, think about it. The disciples that followed Jesus, they came to understand who Jesus was because God opened their eyes to see and their ears to hear what the rest of the community did not. And as God's transformative power continued to work throughout Jesus' ministries and among all the disciples, you know what happened? More people came. More people saw. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, more people believed the good news. And ultimately, this is how the church Helps transform the world in Christ's name. We don't convince people that they need Christ in their life. Nor can we argue anyone into belief or persuade anyone to have faith. Because trust and belief and faith, those are gifts from God. We're just seed planters. God who provides the growth. In fact, I think the most beautiful aspect of common sea relationships is that they're meant to be mutual. We sow seeds for each other. We see God's love at work in one another. And we seek to grow in God's grace together not by what we do, but by that which God does in and through us. Preacher and Professor Fred Craddock once said, those who have beheld the glory cannot prove it, but they can witness to what they've seen and heard. So it begs the question, how do we witness to Christ's glory when we don't see Jesus in human flesh the way the Magi did? We don't walk with him the way that disciples did. And from, I would doubt that many of us have angels coming down to talk to us along the road. How do we see God's glory? Earlier this week, a pastor that I know in Texas, his name's Jim Rigby, he wrote something and it gave a perspective that I think really helps answer the questions. So I wrote him a note and asked for his permission to use it today, and if I could paraphrase a little bit for this message, and he said, sure. So basically he writes this. I haven't seen anyone walk on water but I suspect that image captures what it feels like to rise above the murky waters of one's ego and sin and walk in the spirit of universal love I haven't seen anyone turn water into wine but I do know that grateful awareness can make our ordinary experiences intoxicatingly wonderful. I haven't seen anyone cast out demons, but I have seen how acceptance can rescue people from the fiends of addiction, grudges, and bitter memories. I haven't seen our Savior walking on earth, but I have witnessed His faithful lovers of humankind who can and do lead people into that hidden wisdom and courage that's in their own hearts. I haven't seen anyone raised from the dead, but I've seen grieving people Resurrect from hopeless grief for a lost love to a joyful sense that the bonds of love are somehow greater than the grip of any grave. And I would add to Rigby's writing, we cannot see God, but we are witness to his love at work all around us every day if we will just come and see. Come, discover what it means to be seen, heard, known, and found. Come and see how love heals brokenness, how love forgives and frees us of shame. Come and see how love grows faith, deepens relationships, and builds stronger communities come and see how love grows the beloved community where hope increases compassion spreads justice flows and peace prevails come and see how the world is transformed through god's love at work in christ and in his body, the church. Come and see, one relationship at a time. Let us pray. God, we do give you thanks that you are always at work and that you are not hidden if we will come and see. And we give you thanks for those relationships that you bring into our lives, particularly those that enter into places that challenge us and grow us and draw us nearer to you. Give us the wisdom to nurture those relationships and the willingness to be in them with others, amen.
0: You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org, that's T-A-B, prs.org Thanks for listening and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab